the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org. In partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Welcome, everyone, to the show live in Venice, Italy at the Click Global Conference. This is a vascular conference. It's focused on peripheral artery disease. It's a big problem across the globe, especially with the diabetes epidemic out of control. It is one of the top vascular complications of diabetes. It's a circulation issue in the legs and it can lead to heart attack, stroke, and especially amputation. It's the leading cause of amputation actually across the globe as well. But we're here, of course, my co-host, Dr. John Phillips, and we got to meet for the very, very first time. And we're going to be joined by Dr. Mariano Polenia, also here in Italy. He is the co-founder of the conference, and we'll say hello to him after I hand the microphone over to John. I could just easily hog this today. We, we've had a lot of fun here, so you, you can hog it if you if you want. <laughs> um, but no, I'm having a blast. We're really, um, I think, getting to know some people and learning a lot about uh, the culture, um, learning a lot about uh, how, how the disease peripheral arterial disease is, is treated around the world. And uh, just really excited to, to talk with Mariano, our uh, co-director of the course. Uh, Mariano, how much time does it take to organize this thing? Well, uh, first of all, John, it's a big pleasure for me to have you here with us as well to you, Kim. So thank you for, for both of you to be here, to joining us in this uh, very big project and interesting project. Uh, organize this meeting uh, the time we finish, we start again. So it's one year organization. You know, uh, it's very difficult for every one of us as uh, physicians to organize the agenda, to participate in multiple meetings. So we must to decide the faculty and invite the faculty very soon to be sure that they will participate as well. Uh, no one of these projects can be done without the support of the companies. So we must to uh, be ready to discuss with the companies about the support they will provide to us to be ready and sure to be able to perform the meeting. So the conference itself is focused on the most severe consequences of peripheral arterial disease, critical limb ischemia. Why did you feel like you needed to, to focus on, on that specifically and have experts around the world discuss how they treat this really complex patient cohort? The meeting is focused on CLI and diabetic food. Um, why is important? Because as Kim said, there is a, an epidemia, a pandemia all around the world about the diabetes 
because we know that we have uh, a big number of uh, underdiagnosed or un undertreated patients that uh, are suffering an amputation today, but Uh, we also know that uh, the, the number of patients that will need this therapy in the future will increase dramatically. So the idea and the focus of CLIC is a practical course to create uh, or to give, <clears throat> to, to try to teach or to try to everyone learn from the others about what is the evolution, about what we can do today to help those patients. One of the highlights that I love about these conferences, and particularly here, are the live cases. And to paint the picture for people who are listening and have never been to a conference like this, you actually have the opportunity to watch peripheral artery disease specialists, interventionalists, and surgeons actually perform the procedure live. And they have a panel of peers right, sitting on the stage that are interacting with the specialist. And even more, at this conference, the audience, other physicians, industry, researchers, whomever is here can actually interact with the person performing the procedure as well. Can you talk about the importance of that and how it differs here versus even other conferences in its class? The focus and the the, the, the mood of click the is to have a live cases. For us, it's not a, a congress, but it's a course. Uh, it's a course in which everyone can learn about the others. And uh, yeah, the main <clears throat> topic, the, 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 the most important thing is the live case because the idea is to change the minds. Uh, we know that we can help those patients, not all of them, but uh, a big number of them. And the idea is to uh, try to Uh, in a, in some way, uh, give the opportunity to other physicians to understand that finally what we do is repeatable, can be performed, but uh, a lot of people, for sure, you need the skills, you need to be trained, but uh, <clears throat> it's, it's not something uh, just for few physicians, but it's, it can be uh, made for a big number of physicians. And in the future, we will need a big number of physicians interested in CLI because we will have a big number of CLI patients. And John, you actually, you know, are here not only presenting, but you're here learning and, and you were there watching um, both Mariano Polenia as well as his partner, Dr. Marco Monzi, performing these procedures. What's it like for you being on the receiving end of watching these procedures, learning and bringing things back to the States to use? Because these guys here are really pioneers. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll take it a step further. It's probably about seven years ago, myself and my partner, who's now retired, we came to Mariano and Marco's lab and spent about five days learning their techniques because we, uh, at least in our lab, were, uh, we had trepidation about being as aggressive in the vessels below the knee and as, as they were and just wanted to learn from the best. And so it really changed my practice. It changed how I approach treating patients. And, and I have to thank these guys for what they do and what they, they did for myself and, and our group. We, we now have a critical limb center at, at our hospital. Um, and, and I actually wanted to, to ask Mariano, because I quote this a lot when I give talks in the U.S. about critical limb ischemia, I mentioned the center of excellence approach that you have in Italy. And because of that, you have, I think, some of the lowest amputation rates in the world. So it's not just 
us opening up the vessels, but it's a wound care specialist. It's a surgeon. It's someone helping with their diabetes or their tobacco cessation. So can you share with our listeners back in the United States what it's like to have an ulcer in Italy and, and how that care is such that they go to one place and I think they get a treatment plan, if I remember correctly, that they can then take to to their home? Yeah, uh, well, as you said, um, we work in a dedicated clinic for diabetic food. Uh, the idea is to work in a multidisciplinary team. This is the, I think, I personally think the only way to help people with critical limb ischemia and diabetic fit. Um, as you said also, uh, what we do opening the arteries is one third of the procedure or one third of the care. Because in the multidisciplinary team, we have uh, clinicians that take care about every clinical aspect of the patient. <clears throat> there are us as a vascular specialist and dedicated wound care or uh, foot surgeons. Uh, without this multidisciplinary approach, we know we have uh, a lot of fatigue, but we cannot help the patients in the proper way. So if you have a new ulcer today in Italy, uh, there are three or four multidisciplinary centers, uh, most of them in the north of Italy. <clears throat> you can uh, call, you will receive any information, and for sure you will have the chance to be visited, to be seen by uh, a dedicated for one of the uh, physicians of the multidisciplinary team. And the processes start with the first visit. They will evaluate your um, risk factors, comorbidities, and so on. The Wi-Fi classification for your food, uh, no invasive Doppler ultrasound check to realize if you have peripheral arterial disease or not. And they will give you all the necessary information, but also they will provide you uh, a specific day to be recovered to perform the enzoplasty and after the enzoplasty, the necessary wound care. I mean, if you need uh, <clears throat> the breathing, minor amputation of the foot or, or just a, an ulcerectomy, uh, foot surgery, uh, it will be provided in the same in the same session. I mean, on Monday, the enzoplasty, on Wednesday, the foot surgery. So you will be back home almost ready. And as John had mentioned earlier, the... You guys are pretty uh, aggressive in your approach to treating peripheral artery disease and unblocking the wounds. Well, it's it's a it's a matter of life or limb. If you are not aggressive, then this person is likely to lose their leg. And if amputation is on the table, why not at least try? I mean, that's at least what I would think. That seems logical to me. But as you are showing these physicians who are in the audience at your conference, how aggressive you are and to exhaust all efforts. Do you find or have you found even during this conference that there's still some hesitancy, there's some resistance, maybe some pushback from those in the audience that are watching you go to great lengths to save each person's leg? So we are aggressive taking care of the patient. We absolutely ask the patients to change risk factors to stop smoking, to take the medicines to control diabetes, and so on. Uh, we are also aggressive taking care uh, in some other aspect. For example, uh, I, I'm specialized for the vascular uh, surgery or endovascular surgery. So I think the patient has, uh, in most of the cases, one chance. 
So we cannot stay there seeing if we remove stenosis in the proximal inflow of the leg could help to improve the flow for the foot. That's the reason why we can be considered a bit aggressive because we want to provide the best solution for the patient uh, once uh, at the first time. Thank you so much, Dr. Mariano Polina. We really appreciate you having us here at the event. Coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, more live from Venice, Italy at Click Global. So stay with us. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody, to The Heart of Innovation. I am beside my fantastic co-host, Kimberly. It's been a long conference, an excellent conference, though. Uh, and, you know, during the break, we were talking, you had asked me why I come to this. Obviously, it's nice to be able to go to a conference that's outside the U.S., that's in a beautiful city, Venice, Italy. Uh, and the weather's been fantastic. But at the end of the day, I think we choose to go to conferences that we know are going to help us. Let's be honest, a lot of the data that we see that's presented is recycled it's kind of re it's rinsed repeated but here you and you alerted alluded to this with mariano um these are cases we, we see case after case of complex intervention that in my opinion is not always being done uh at, at some of the other conferences so it's for me an opportunity to to learn something new but it's also networking and you're meeting other physicians from other countries. You're learning their techniques. You're learning what works, what doesn't work. You're learning what their passions are and how they are being uh, advocates for their patients. I believe at some point we're going to be speaking to one of the physicians in Canada who has has a project that he's uh, after. I mean, and you, I mean, it's the way to my heart and we do save my piggies. But I think the nice thing about it is you come here and you see people that have the same passion that, that you have. And it's kind of like this little nucleus of vascular geeks that like to open up vessels below the knee. <laughs> but at the end of the day, our objective is to learn and help patients so we can prevent the amputation and ultimately save the leg and the limb. I think it's in incredibly important to especially when we do see a lot of the the studies that are put out by large universities, large facilities, et cetera, that are are using a retrospective look 
at, let's say, Medicare data. And there's no telling, well, what is the skill set of that physician that performed a particular procedure and did or did not save a limb or a life? Here, you can actually see what some of the most advanced physicians in the world are doing and how they're doing it. And step by step, and I think that that's absolutely priceless. You can't actually read the impact on paper. Well, I mean, case in point, we've talked about a recent trial that uh, was was published regarding surgery versus endovascular, so balloons and stents for people with critical limb ischemia. A lot of holes have been poked in that, but there are a lot of people and physicians that go to conferences and they go to learn. Some people go to interact with other physicians. And there are, I think, a section of them or subset that don't know what their potential is. And when they come to someplace like this and they see complex cases, it takes the governor off of their um, trepidation for being more aggressive and ultimately helping their patients. Like to your point, you a patient may call you and they live in Kansas or something, right? And they have a wound that's not healing and, and they're not getting the care that they think that they should get. Um, you find them a physician sometimes, but oftentimes there may not be a physician in that area, but there could be. And it's potentially because of a conference like this or the way to my heart or whatever other conference in the U.S. that you turn a physician who's not a CLI fighter into somebody who does. And I think that's one of the biggest frustrations for me in coming to a conference like this is because I learn what's possible. I see the most complex cases that are successfully being navigated. And then I have a patient who calls our organization, which is an advocacy organization for people with peripheral artery disease. And if they say that amputation is on the table, we want to do our best to go above and beyond and find them a physician that will go above and beyond, that will try, that has the same skills as what we see at conferences such as this one. But what's frustrating is that we can't always find a doctor with these skills. And that is actually what keeps me awake at night. It's like, oh my gosh, I have this person that is in the middle of nowhere in the Philippines or in the middle of even the United States where the nearest hospital is like 20 miles away. And that hospital doesn't have someone that even can unblock a vessel below the knee. And if they can, they don't go to the foot. And I have to tell this patient, well, I know it's possible if you get on a plane and you fly to the next state over. I wish, and I don't know about you, like, how do we get more physicians to attend not just their basic industry conference? Every physician has to do what's called continuing medical education. They're CME. They need these credits. But so many doctors just go to their general industry conference or they watch a few seminars and they don't know what they don't know. So they don't even know what seminars to look for or what advanced conferences to look for. I mean, how many general vascular specialists know what it means to be a CLI fighter? 
Well, I mean, it, you make a lot of good points there. The the problem that I see is these cases are they're complex, they're long, um, they do take resources, they can they can be expensive. Although, when you come here to Italy and you see what they use, basic wires, simple catheters, balloons, so the the cost of the procedure, the actual cost is is fairly low. Uh, um, but in the U.S., they can be comp- they can be very expensive, and this is just my opinion, but if if you have a physician who does some peripheral arterial disease work, but also does coronary work, and maybe their allegiance or their passion is more in the coronary, well, they're going to do probably more coronary cases, which are quicker and easier. Um, you can knock those out. You can probably do three stents in the heart by the time it takes to do one of these cases. And so that's what people think about. Um, so really, I, not that I've given up on our physician, when I say our, meaning physician's ability to, you know, pick up that phone and call Dr. So-and-so, hey, it's John Phillips, I can't do this case, can you do this for me? We don't do that. What we do oftentimes is we just say, oh, there's nothing can be done. Um, and so you, you, I think I think the patients have to be, and I've said this before, the quarterback of their care to tackle or to at least address their issue, get a second opinion through your, through the way to my heart or other organizations, and and they have to travel. If they have to travel, they have to travel. But it's an unfortunate reality that we live in. Well, coming up here on the Heart of Innovation, we're going to have more live from Click Global in Venice, Italy, and we are talking to. Dr. August Iza from Spain, and we're going to see what's caught his attention and what he's learning here at the conference. So stay with us. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD, peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our LegSaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. We are live in Venice, Italy, and we're so excited to be at Click Global. We have vascular specialists from around the world that are here, and they're learning all kinds of new things, new tools, 
new techniques. They're also learning best practices for treating peripheral artery disease, which as we talk about all the time, and as we've talked about earlier, it's a circulation issue in mainly the legs that if not treated early and in the appropriate manner, it can lead to amputation. I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Dr. John. Hello, kid. This is an amazing conference, and it's also actually the first time you and I have met. In person. <laughs> Each time we do another section, I always have to remind myself. But no, I'm having a great time meeting a lot of um, interesting folks. We're discussing um, the latest kind of techniques in treating folks with critical limb ischemia. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always great to hear what uh, people around the world are doing. So having having a blast. And I actually have the honor of introducing you to Dr. Iza. And Dr. Iza and I met actually here last year. And this is the first time you met. And he is from Spain. And this is also the beauty of it. I mean, people from all over the world, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much, Kim, for your invitation. Yeah, I completely agree with John. It's like amazing to have the chance to meet key opinion leaders in a so beautiful place yeah. and having you around. It's excellent. So we, you are, we are really enjoying uh, these days. So, you know, I'm curious, even from both of you, um, we've had quite a few presentations already. Um, one of the uh, discussions was all about vessel preparation, and I wanted to see how you both maybe compare in your p- opinions about uh, the discussions on vessel preparation, because I know it's been controversial. You had Johns Hopkins that came out with a study that said that, um, you know, people... Th- we're using these atherectomy devices, these plaque removal devices, too much, especially in the U.S., but vessel preparation is needed. So talk about what your thoughts are, Dr. John. Well, you know, the beauty about coming to Europe is that, number one, some of the technologies that we have in the U.S. are not necessarily available and, and vice versa. Good point. And I also think that there is a little bit more emphasis on being financially responsible here in Europe than maybe in certain uh, places in the U.S. And so, number one, vessel prep is very important. It, it, uh, if you don't do it correctly, you're not going to have a successful outcome. And, uh, you know, my theory is there's no one-size-fits-all. Thankfully, in the U.S., we have atherectomy if needed. We have uh, specialized balloons if needed. Uh, and, and we have also the ability to use uh, ultrasound to look inside the vessel, kind of see what we're dealing with to help us prepare. But at the end of the day, I think everybody would agree that vessel prep is key to a successful, durable uh, procedure. And so uh, everybody's a little bit different, but ultimately you just have to prep that vessel as, as you feel appropriate because I think that's going to give you the best opportunity for a successful outcome. Yeah, what do you think, Dr. Isa? Well, you know, we are the low-budget guys, so <laughs> we have a lot of restrictions, and we basically do what we have available, and most times has to do with just uh, balloon dilation, prolonged. Uh, a is getting space nowadays in, let's say, Spain, well-established in Europe, for instance, uh, Germany or, or France. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are as well uh, having IBL things uh, already coming to Spain. I would say definitely the main issues like vessel prep is essential for a good outcome. So uh, if we were uh, able to have everything, uh, I would say we were more happy. Uh, on, on the other hand, let uh, this is an also important 
yeah, vessel prep is, is essential, but we have really scanty uh, evidence related to all of this vessel prep. All of these fancy, nice tools, IBL, arthrectomy, uh, net, uh, still uh, need to prove uh, effectiveness in terms of uh, good quality of trials. But so far is what we have, and uh, I wish I had all of these fancy things. It's still fun to have all the all the toys, right? It is, but um, it's important to I think think about using them in a judicious manner because they are really expensive. A, a balloon can cost you a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, the uh, lithotripsy balloon is several thousand. So again. You can't use it, in my opinion, on every case, but you have to pick and choose. But ultimately, you have to do what's right for the patient. But that's really, that's what you're learning here, the best practices. What are your peers doing around the world? Yeah, and I think even though you don't have super fancy things, you still have bailouts. You can balloon, you can pay from crack, you can pierce. Uh, cheaper ways to deal with this sort of issues. <laughs> Yeah, just just to dovetail on that, we know based on some of the recent trials for uh, particularly a stent below the knee that balloon angioplasty works. So Mm -hmm. what they do here in Italy is balloon angioplasty, balloon angioplasty, and maybe bailout stenting, and that works below the knee. So that's the technique that I adopt as well. You just have to make sure. I was talking to Marco Monzi a little bit earlier, and he was saying just make sure that when you are using the high-pressure balloon and you're, you're pumping that thing up to 30 atmospheres of pressure, that you properly anesthetize the patient. <laughs> you're, you're laughing. It's true, isn't yeah, it? good point. Good point. Uh, it's, uh, I think we always talk about the resistance of the patients comparing Italians and Spanish, and uh, whenever I see a life case from them, it's like the, pa- the patient yelling like, wow, like a fool, <laughs> I'd say. And still thinking that they quite, uh, stand quite a long procedures uh, compared with the Spanish guys. I would say, like, in Spain, they are not so, so brave. <laughs> Well, don't you need to take a siesta then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, thanks God. Even vascular surgeons, we have been introduced in the nerve block and the sort of coadjuvant technology, so that makes us a lot, uh, life a lot easier because not all of these patients are good candidates for a general anesthesia. So. And if you prolong the procedure for more than a couple of yeah. hours, it's quite difficult just to, exactly. even you have siesta. If <laughs> <laughs> you do, that's so true. True. I mean, you do have to take that into consideration. So many different types of patients, so many different comorbidities. It does take longer if you are going to prepare the vessel, if you're going to remove some plaque, if you're going to try to make cracks in the plaque to prepare for a drug-eluting balloon or a drug, um, a, a drug-coated balloon or a drug-eluting stent, you know, so that that drug can get into those cracks and get closer to to the vessel wall, because it's certainly not going to do any good if it's just sitting on the on the plaque it needs cells so let me ask you this in in spain (laughs) what percentage of patients that that you treat are claudicans versus cli and do you think that differs from the conference their congresses that you go to whether in u.s or um, in europe otherwise i i would say that basically we don't treat claudicans in spain which is uh, massively different, like uh, compared with the United States. So uh, we hardly ever treat uh, claudicans. Probably, uh, definitely on the iliacs. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Fempop is really controversial, at least in Spain. And if you wanted to perform a reverse classic in a cloud, again, in my department, uh, it's probably a huge discussion on the NDT. And uh, definitely nothing below the knee. I'm meaning fempop bypass, yeah. femoral popliteal bypass going from or the e- thigh to the calf. Is that an insurance issue, or is it just kind of a... I guess, cultural issue. I think it's cultural. I think it also has to do with uh, evidence. Uh, and at least in Spain, the majority of patients have uh, public insurance, so they don't pay for uh, like in, in the States. Really, okay. And it makes a huge difference. I think that probably some other indication have, has to do with uh, the payment system. Um, in, in the U.S., they're not supposed to treat claudicants. I mean, you you have to determine, I mean, there's a general claudicant, then there's someone that will complain of lifestyle-limiting claudication, meaning that no, they don't have breast pain, but if they're going to walk from the house to the mailbox, they have to stop three times. And I've, I've had several patients like that before they even get to the mailbox. Yeah, uh, I've realized that while uh, watching or two problems or, uh, problems or uh, listening to my colleagues from the States, uh, the awareness of uh, with relation uh, regards to the patients and and the sense of what is quality of life, the higher standards are a lot of higher in the states. They they don't uh, accept just to have like 100 meters claudication, mm-hmm. uh, and it's definitely make your life a lot uh, tougher because if you have a patient demanding, demanding, and I would say this is not uh, something that you should ban, uh, I accept uh, a limited claudication uh, as an indication for the FEPOP segment. And yeah, we all have a lot of these sort of patients, young guys that feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not a, like 85 years old guy, I need a 55, 60 years old life. That the kids are running, uh, feeling around, and just to feel yeah. like I cannot follow them. So, like this is quite impairing. Yeah, thank you so much, Doctor Iza. He's exactly right. That's why you know a lot of the discussions here at this conference are all about how do you select these patients for these different procedures, and we'll continue that discussion coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation. So, stay with us live at Click Global in Italy. Medical Notepad, brought to you by Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and The Weight of My Heart. This is George Adams, interventional cardiologist with this week's Medical Notepad. Today, we're going to be discussing the new drug-eluting balloons that are hitting the market in the United States. They're actually under trial investigation. These are balloons that allow us to treat the periphery as well as coronary vasculature in terms of leaving no scaffold behind, no stent behind. These stents are metallic scaffolds that prop the vessel open, but over time can lead to an enraged or increased inflammatory response that causes it to reblock over time. By using these drug, uh, new drug-eluting balloons that have limus attached to it, um, we are able to treat the vessel uh, without having to leave a metallic scaffold. What's interesting about this new technology is that um, these balloons actually have a um, cell adhesion or a um, – they have – okay – What's interesting about these drug-eluting balloons is that they have these micro-reservoirs that have this anti-neoproliferative, this anti-inflammatory agent, the serolimus, that is attached to 
this what we call excipient that allows it to attach the vessel wall and a lute over top, very similar to one of these drug eluting stents that's been used in the past. And what's so exciting about this is that um, the preliminary data is very encouraging that we have uh, similar outcomes um, to the current strategies below the knee with plantar balloon angioplasty, similar data, um, preliminary data above the knee uh, that can compete with the current strategies to treat blockages uh, from the hip to the knee joint. And then, and then almost more importantly, in the heart, these blockages that form over time in the heart, rather than using a stent for some of these uh, lesions, we can use a drug-eluting balloon to get similar outcomes. For this week's Medical Notepad, this is Dr. George Adams. Remember, the advice and views offered during this series are for informational and educational purposes only. Always ask your own health care provider for explicit consent before acting on any information provided here. If you want more information on peripheral artery disease, go to StandAgainstAmputation.com. And for real-time support, go to TheWayToMyHeart.org. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the show. We are live in Venice, Italy. This is so exciting. I absolutely love it here. I am learning so much at the Click Global Conference, focusing on advanced treatments for peripheral artery disease. Again, that's a circulation issue, mainly in the legs, which, if left untreated, could lead to amputation, even stroke and heart attack. So all of these doctors are gathered here in Venice, Italy for this conference. And Dr. John is taking this segment off because he is on stage at Click Global and he is helping to educate doctors on new tools and techniques for PAD. But meantime, I am holding down the fort here on the Heart of Innovation with Dr. Giuseppe Papia from Toronto, Canada. And we've been talking about a new project that he has. It's called Project Leg Saver. Dr. Papia, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Tell us all about Project Leg Saver. First of all, thank you very much for the opportunity uh, to meet and chat. And this is a great conference. And uh, meeting people that are doing this work from all over the world is really invigorating. So I think we have the same issues as everyone in terms of creating a system where the uh, treatment comes to the patient because the patients are complex. They need multiple specialists and they're not located in one spot. You add that on to the layer that patients themselves um, have uh, very few means to get around to different appointments. They have lives. They can't afford devices that aren't covered, that are supposed to help them. Uh, sometimes they can't even afford their medications or proper nutrition so that they can maintain their diabetic control in, an, in, in, in a range that is actually helpful to them. So we uh, tackled this in, uh, or are currently tackling this in Toronto and Ontario by creating a campaign that raises awareness, but also allows us to fundraise so that we can create a program 
that really brings together all of these elements into one spot for patients. So it is a one stop. And we call it Project Saving Lakes. And so Project Saving Lakes, and it, uh, we do this at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto, Canada. And it's really about raising awareness. And uh, most of the time, I get to a group. And um, we fundraise, by the way. So unlike cancer where or, uh, or trauma or heart, where people are directly touched, you know, our patients live in a different socioeconomic place in society. Mm-hmm. So the idea around Project Saving Legs is to appeal to people that are using their legs. We have a lot of cyclists, athletes, but philanthropists to help others save their legs, right? Mm-hmm. So we have cycling events um, every year in the Niagara wine area in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And and it, they're really about raising awareness, right? It, we don't want the cycling event to become bigger than the cause. And so every event, I'll, I'll say to everybody, um, who knows somebody with diabetes? And almost everybody will put up their hand. And then I'll ask, so how many people of those that you know with diabetes uh, have ever had an ulcer or told they have a diabetic foot? And uh, so people were saying, oh, yeah, my aunt had a, an ulcer. And, a, mm-hmm. and I said, so how many people are aware that the day that a patient with diabetes develops an ulcer is a worse outcome than colon cancer, breast cancer, and prostate cancer combined? And most people, even some physicians, don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Statistically, they have uh, less than half, so 54%. Fewer than 54% will be alive in two years because of how medically ill they are. And uh, if they do, 70% range of amputations. And they don't know. And so sometimes they'll have this diabetic foot issue that is treated with antibiotics, some creams uh, for a year before somebody says, hey, maybe there's a blood flow problem. And then they get to us. And then we have to start all over. And so we are very good at addressing the blood flow issue, right? With uh, techniques like we're learning and, and disseminating at click, angioplasty, uh, just basic uh, wound care, but they need medical care. They need assistance. They need an ability to get to their appointments. And so um, we, we said, hmm, we have systems that really manage the logistics logistical barriers of treatment like cancer centers so in in ontario in our hospital in our cancer center if you are a young woman that unfortunately one morning feels the lump with a fax to a general line within 48 hours you'll get an appointment phone call and then within four weeks you will have had all your imaging multidisciplinary appointments and treatment if you get hit by a car we have a major trauma center you show up you can scoop and run straight to the trauma program, and every specialist assesses you at the same time with a CT scan because that saves lives. If you have chest pain in Toronto and they call what's called a code STEMI, you actually bypass the hospital. So if an ambulance attendant uh, detects a heart attack on a patient, you go directly to the cath lab, which is rating and ready because that saves lives. And so if you're a patient with diabetes with a foot ulcer, you can linger in the system for 12 months, and that's everywhere. Can you imagine a two-year waiting list in a patient that has a 50% chance of being alive in two years? And uh, and so what we've done with our fundraising and raising this awareness and telling people just that story, because that printing platform exists, people don't know it's on fire. 
And there is a tsunami of diabetes coming. Now, obviously, peripheral arterial disease is more than that. But if we're going to start with the true low-hanging fruit, that, to me, is the group. And what we've done is raise awareness. We've been able to raise funds. We've been able to create a chair in limb preservation, which I hold at the University of Toronto. It's a formal university chair that acknowledges that this is an issue that has to be you know, addressed. It gives me a protected time and resources to do studies to create programs like Project Saving Legs. And what we've created is a demonstration project, which we hope for our province and our and, and our politicians called the Vascular Limb Preservation Program. So locally, it's the VLPP. But the Vascular Limb Preservation Program is a program that now we have a dedicated nurse practitioner whose full-time job is to take referrals to the program uh, or, uh, yes, to the program from anyone, our emergency, our local physicians, anybody that sees somebody with this problem can make one referral to a general fax number. They get feedback about the receipt of that uh, within 24 to 48 hours, and which is amazing because most referrals can get lost in the abyss of the, the fax, you know, uh, 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 iCloud <laughs> or cloud, and but this is real feedback. We don't even want the referring physician or practitioner because they could be community nurse practitioners to make the decision: Are they appropriate for the program? They see somebody at risk, you refer them. Our nurse practitioner has an algorithm. We'll do studies. We'll assess the patient. We'll assess the wound, and they have wound care. Um, uh, expertise they have an ability to refer order tests and they coordinate the care for that patient and we see them in a multidisciplinary clinic with vascular surgery with one of our rehab physician that is an amputation specialist and if the door is this that can help with offloading and the funds that we've raised will help pay for the devices because those aren't covered and you can you imagine somebody that can't afford diabetic meds being asked to pay $2,000 for an offloading device or special orthotics. And, and so we are trying to show that this system of care, like has been showed in every other disease-based system, like the cancer center, the trauma center, the heart program. So this is the vascular limb preservation program and center. Um, will save lives and will save quality of life. Now, the other thing that we're doing is we're a University of Toronto academic program. So we're creating a database to show our outcomes. We've also included a uh, vascular quality of life measurement tool because at the end of the day, you're saving a leg. That leg belongs to a patient. Are you actually making their lives better? What is, what is the most important thing to the patient is walking is getting back to their daily activities and if eating properly and taking medications and offloading their foot is a very flat we can't compete with that we have to work within that lifestyle for the patient thank you so much dr giuseppe papilla from toronto ontario canada coming up right here on the heart of innovation we'll have more live from venice italy at the click global conference so stay with us Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. 
Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody, to the Heart of Innovation. We are wrapping up the show. And during the break, we're just laughing because we had, it's so busy here. They're doing other interviews. We had to move to the hallway between the conference and the bathroom. So you might hear some footsteps, but nope, don't worry. Um, so we're almost wrapping things up here. We've got like four minutes left. Um, two takeaways. I'll give you mine and then you can do yours. Number one, I always leave here learning something about the procedures and and not giving up. And I when I when I leave here and then I come back to the hospital, I can channel my inner click self and say, okay, I can try this once a little bit longer. I can um, maybe be a little bit more aggressive, obviously in the patient's best interest. And number two, Venice is a fantastic city. <laughs> and I really, really enjoy the seafood that they have here. <laughs> so that's, those are my two takeaways. I love the food, love the food, love the food. One takeaway is I'm bringing the food back. Mediterranean diet, number one. That's a good one. And learning some new cooking techniques for those veggies. Oh, so absolutely delicious. Um, but the other thing that I think that I'm walking away with, and I think I might do three. The second one is I was learning from Dr. George Adams from North Carolina earlier today about new drug eluting stents that are being used in in Italy in which the drugs act more like did I say drug eluting stents, drug eluting balloons that act more like drug eluting stents, meaning that the medication will be distributed and penetrate over one time opportunity to try and get that vessel to calm and to slow that healing response of the vessel, which leads to it restenosis or the reblocking or the scar tissue um, building back up in the artery and reblocking that, that blood flow. And as doctors are trying to use fewer and fewer stents or that metal scaffolding um, to maintain the vessel open, these new drug eluting balloons that are being tested in Europe and uh, they're hoping to bring those out to results. I think that that's something to learn to these events, especially globally, because we can see what's to come in the U.S. And it's why many doctors from overseas come to the U.S. to find out what's new and next there that may end up over in, in Europe. So number three, I think that what I bring from these conferences back to the way to my heart and my regular work day is the relationships that I've built. And it's so amazing to see how many more doctors are continuing to learn, continuing to grow and becoming the most advanced vascular specialist that we call CLI fighters. Number one, it's always, or I guess another comment, it's just, it's frustrating when we come here to Europe because, for example, in the coronary arteries, they've had the drug-coated balloons for many years and we're still trying to get them and those, and those work well. So you, you come here, you get a little jealous because they have stuff, toys that we don't have. We've got to wrap up the show because we've got to go shopping. So, uh, <laughs> so Kim, take us home. 
<laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us live in Venice, Italy at the Click Global Conference. And a big thank you to the conference organizers and a shout out to the lead lady, Georgia, for making it all, all happen for us and, and providing us this opportunity. Everyone, I hope you have a fantastic weekend and safe travels for everyone headed home. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.